For the video version of this podcast, please visit our YouTube channel, Daughters of the American Revolution National Headquarters. Otherwise, please enjoy this audio podcast on your favorite podcast streaming platform. And I had a great time. I was just, oh my gosh, I can't wait to join. I can't wait till I'm old enough. Wow. My mother had my papers ready to go when I turned 18 and sent them in. And I can remember all through my college years, uh, going to state conferences and doing activities, um, you know, either state or chapter activities. This is the DAR Today podcast, and I'm your host, Brooke Bullmaster-Stewart, the national chair of the DAR Today podcast committee. Well, happy, happy new year, my friends. Ah, 2024. Doesn't it feel like it was just 2020? (laughs) And for that matter, I think the 1990s don't even seem that far away, but maybe I'm dating myself. I don't know. Regardless, the upcoming year looks like one of our most exciting years yet, and we can't wait to share all of the events happening. So many fun things in the works, and we don't want you to miss one of them. We'll be talking about all of these fun things coming up, and also about our history and anniversaries of our great nation. There are so many things to acknowledge and celebrate. For example, did you know that recently the state of New Mexico just celebrated and commemorated its entry as one of the states in our nation? New Mexico became a state in 1912. I don't think it really dawned on me how new of a state New Mexico is. But speaking of New Mexico, I think you'll enjoy in this episode, we'll be interviewing and talking with our DAR historian general, Suzanne Heskey, and also New Mexico resident. I think you'll love getting to know her a little bit better and really realizing all that she brings to our society. I hope you enjoy our segments today, all about preserving our American history. We've got quite a lineup for you, and as we mentioned last month, we'll be starting weekly episodes in February. These weekly episodes will premiere on Mondays of every week and will be much shorter than our previous episodes have been. We're so excited about this, and we really hope that it's something that you enjoy as well. We want to be really timely about the way we offer the information in these podcasts, and we really think that this will be a great way to show everyone what the DAR is doing today. And as I do in each episode, I ask you to please like and subscribe to this podcast wherever it is you're listening to it or watching it. We really hope it's something that you enjoy, so please do give it a like. Share it with your family and friends. It really does change the way we get suggested out into the public. The more you like and subscribe it, the more different formats will recommend it to others. So we really want to get the word out there. So with that, let's get started today with a quick word from our President General, Pamela Edwards-Rouse-Wright. I am very excited to share that this administration will proudly restore and conserve our national headquarters and national historic landmark, Memorial Continental Hall, our living monument to our patriot ancestors located in the center of our nation's capital and the heart of our house beautiful. 
While different areas within the magnificent structure have been maintained and repaired through the years, no major renovation has been completed in well over half a century. Our 11th President General, Ann Rogers Minor of Connecticut, once said, quote, Here in this memorial hall, dedicated to patriotic ancestors, it is for us collectively and individually to dedicate ourselves anew to the service of home and country. We are the representatives of a society of living, active American women pledged to the perpetuation of American ideals." End quote. Mrs. Minor served as President General in 1921 to 1923. It is now 2023. My great pleasure is to stand before you as your President General and extend the hand of friendship and invite you to join the National Board of Management in restoring and renovating the true monument to the American Revolution, Memorial Continental Hall. Many of you have heard me say this before, that often others seek the perfect place for a monument to the American Revolution in Washington, D.C. Well, we, the daughters of the American Revolution, rejoice in knowing that we own the one true monument to the American Revolution in Washington, D.C., our beloved Memorial Continental Hall. Please join me in renovating this crown jewel of our building complex. Thank you. Liz Hotchkiss, thank you so much for being here with us today. So, of course, you are the national chair for the Historic Preservation Committee. And historic preservation, of course, is one of the three pillars of our DAR mission, of course, with education, historic preservation, and patriotism. So that's kind of a big deal. So would you tell us a little bit about your committee and what you guys do? Thank you, Brooke, for having me today. Um, our committee does a lot. It's, it's large. I have six national vice chairmen that are assigned to specific tasks. And then I have two national vice chairmen who float throughout the committee to, to assist the other ones because we do a lot. This committee covers several things. We are known for our historic preservation grants, our historic sites and properties map, and of course, our awards. Tell us about those awards. We have three awards. The Historic Preservation Medal, which is the most prestigious award that this committee presents. And applicants are come to us from state regions or chapters, and they are honoring folks in their community who have had an entire lifetime of volunteer work in historic preservation but their work is on a regional or national level. And then we have the Historic Preservation Recognition Award. This award is presented to a volunteer, more local, citywide, regional, county, um, maybe not as long-term, but still volunteer. And um, that's overseen by our national vice chairman for the recognition award. And then we have the excellence in historic preservation. This award was created in 2019 and it's 
can be presented by state regions or chapter regions. There is no review process. It can be presented to a professional that has done something worthy of the award or recognition uh, locally, you know, it, and that's, there's no review process for that. That is an award that is ordered directly from the DAR store by either the state region or the chapter region. But even groups be recognized in that category? Actually, yes. Groups can be recognized in all three of our awards, but we only give one award. Yes. (laughs) So, (laughs) so, you know, it's, but on the medal, on the excellence in historic preservation medal and certificate, with shipping and handling, it's under $20. Well, I know we're going to be doing an extra segment uh, with this podcast um, today that talks about uh, people being awarded for that excellence in American history. Uh, so really excited to showcase that, especially being a rather new award. I think a lot of people might not know about that. Now, you also do grants, correct? correct? The Historic Preservation Grants. Would you tell us about that? Historic Preservation Grants is very interesting because it's nonprofit organizations that are that are approaching the DAR to apply for grant money, matching grant money. The connection to the DAR is they must be sponsored by a local chapter. Oh, yeah. The chapter writes a letter of support saying uh, that they know the group, they know the project, and that they support it. And that's part of the application packet. The historic preservation grant system is all online and the groups, the nonprofits that want to apply for a grant have to create password, an account and go in and um, answer all the questions, add the documents that they need to add to it. They don't have to do it in one sitting. They can go in and out, but they have to have it completed by the deadline, which this year was October 31st. Right now, uh, each of the applications is being reviewed to make sure that the nonprofit status is current and uh, is the correct nonprofit status that we accept. And then once that happens, the, the applications that are approved or complete that will be moved on to the next stage, which is the judging stage. And we have three independent judges who are well-versed in historic preservation, who review and and score. Once that's completed, the ranking and of all the applications is sent up to our executive committee and they review them and they make a decision on who will get the uh, grants. The maximum grants that we give is a $10,000 grant, but applicants are asked to apply for for lesser money. They get a better chance of of receiving the grant instead of maxing out at the 10,000, and it's a matching grant. And then they get, if they're awarded the grant, and they sign all the documents saying that they will honor the DAR with uh, recognition of some sort and that they will send in the reports when they're supposed to on their progress, pictures before and after. 
then they receive half their money right away. And then at the end, when they show the work's been completed on time and uh, they've come, you know, under whatever budget they sent in, then they receive the last half of the grant. What a wonderful way to put our money where our mouth is with regard to historic preservation. So how many then do you traditionally give out award per year? Then if it must be a lot if it's a maximum $10,000 grant. Up to 35 mm. grants. And so that's a lot of uh, record keeping and keeping, you know, keeping track and reminding them, hey, you know, you have a deadline coming up. You need to send in your report. And the joy of seeing this work, the before and after is. Um, that's is significant. What, yeah, it, it really is. It really is. And I is. think you mentioned you have a wonderful national vice chair that like this is her whole her whole oh thing, gosh. right? Oh, my gosh. It, we Tell me about her. Yeah. Uh, Lin, Linda Jones from Virginia is our national vice chairman of historic preservation grants. And um, she's retired from working in the Pentagon. <laughs> so she knows how to keep records. Yes. And, uh, and keep on top of everything. It amazes me of of how she keeps track of all all these things. And then when when uh, somebody's not going to meet their deadline and they're asking for an extension, and she drills right down and says, you know, well, why is this happening? And and what are you going to do to make sure it's you know you're going to hit the next deadline? And then she has to send the request up to our executive officers. And yeah. they make the decision whether to, you know, grant the extension or not, or mm -hmm. call in the the grant. And if they say no, then they have to return the money. Now, at Continental Congress, which yeah. for those who don't know, of course, is our annual meeting of the National Society of Daughters of the American Revolution. It happens at our buildings, primarily in Washington, D.C., you always have a luncheon with your committee, and I think you give out some special things at this luncheon. Why don't you tell us about what that is? During the luncheon, we also honor the top three national winners for the Historic Preservation Project Contest. And these are the top three for the state project, like a state regions project and the top three for a chapter project. Also at our luncheon, I mean, we're talking a room full of like-minded ladies that it's a fantastic opportunity for them to talk about what they're doing in their chapter or in their state and maybe get some ideas of what, when they go home to their chapter that they can uh, initiate. There's a lot of buzzing in that room. It's just, it's electric. It really is. I wish I was I just bet. a little, little bee that could fly around and listen to what, what all these ladies are, are uh, talking about and sharing. I bet the inspiration that you would get from seeing these nationally recognized states or chapters, and then just hearing everybody, like you said, what they're talking about in the room would be really exciting. Historic preservation is like genealogy. And when you talk genealogy to somebody, it's crazy. So it's the same thing with historic preservation. And the hot topic last year was, um, of course, cemetery restorations. 
mm. because of COVID and the lockdown, our members could get out and do something and make themselves feel good about contributing to their uh, community. So, yeah. 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 I think too many times we had such busy lives before that it maybe got pushed by the wayside. And then it's like, here's something, here's something we can go out and do. That's a really positive uh, net for our community. So I bet that was, and that was also, wasn't that uh, something that was put out with um, uh, service to America as well. Right. Yes. So it it all, it all, all of these things combine together in what we do in DAR, don't they? They really do. Well, Liz, thank you so much for being here with us today, for taking the time. I know we're going to do some additional um, segments with this episode. I'm really excited about that, that kind of touch on these different things you've mentioned with historic preservation. So um, we really look forward to see the next Continental Congress, too. The people that you award, the chapters, the states, um, all of that. So thanks so much for being here. You're welcome. Thank you, Brooke. As you heard, our DAR National Chair of Historic Preservation, Liz Hotchkiss, mentioned the DAR awards historic preservation grants. I hope these following stories of winning grants will inspire you and your chapter or state to do some investigation into your community or state preservation projects to see if they could use a financial boost. In Portage, Wisconsin, the last phase of the exterior restoration of the Fort Winnebago Surgeon's Quarters needed funds to complete the project. The DAR Historic Preservation Grant provided the final $7,001 that was needed. The Surgeon's Quarters is the only surviving building of Fort Winnebago and is owned and maintained by the State Society of Wisconsin Daughters of the American Revolution. The building is over 200 years old, having been built between 1816 and 1819. The Scotchtown chapter in Virginia sponsored a DAR Historic Preservation Grant and $4,000 was awarded to Preservation Virginia, a nonprofit organization that's doing some amazing work in the field of preserving our American history. This grant benefits a floor cloth project being created at Scotchtown, the 300-year-old home where Patrick Henry was living when he gave his famous Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death speech. The floor cloth's simple block pattern in red, mustard, and black was fashionable in the 1770s when Henry was living at Scotchtown and is made of canvas to which multiple layers of paint were applied on both sides to create a durable, water-repellent, easy-to-clean covering to protect the original wooden floorboards. There's also a wonderful sign in the hallway noting that the floor cloth was made possible due to the DAR Historic Preservation Grant. Thank you, Preservation Virginia, for recognizing the DAR in these efforts. And since we're in Virginia, we'll also mention that a $10,000 DAR Historic Preservation Grant was awarded to the Library of Virginia Foundation in Richmond sponsored by the James River Chapter for the conservation and digitization of the records of the Virginia Convention of 1776. The importance of these records cannot be overstated, as they document Virginia's five revolutionary conventions held from 1774 to July 5th of 1776, and they contain accounts, correspondence, journals, and minutes from Patrick Henry, George Mason, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, to name just a few. The records are the earliest known full text of the Virginia Resolutions of May 15, 1776, which instructed Virginia's representatives to the Continental Congress to introduce a Declaration of Independence and of George Mason's Virginia Declaration of Rights. 
The records also chronicle the unanimous adoption of Virginia's first constitution and election of Patrick Henry as governor of the newly independent Commonwealth of Virginia. Well, to name just a few other examples of grants awarded recently, the Harriet Beecher Stowe Center in Connecticut was awarded a $1,095 grant for restoration of the exterior carriage house there. This project was sponsored by the Ruth Willis Chapter. And in Oregon, the roof of an 1892 church building is in need of replacement, so the Cumberland Community Events Center was awarded a $10,000 grant sponsored by the Santium Chapter. If you are a DAR member, has your chapter looked for groups that are worthy of receiving one of these generous grants? Our DAR Historic Preservation Grants provide financial support for 501c3 organizations engaged in historic preservation projects. The grants provide excellent public relations opportunities within local communities for sharing our valuable DAR mission. The maximum grant amount is $10,000. However, smaller projects are enthusiastically encouraged as well. Projects considered for grant funding include restoration of historic buildings, digitization or preservation of documents or records, and so much more. Projects from all eras and chapters of American history are welcome to apply. Just imagine if all of our DAR chapters really looked for and recognized those organizations that are doing the work of historic preservation, helping them apply for a DAR historic preservation grant. We could all be so instrumental in preserving American history for future generations. Suzanne Hesky, thank you so much for being with us today. Of course, you're the historian general for our National Society, and uh, we just appreciate you taking the time. Oh, thank you. I'm pleased to join you. Um, being number nine, um, I'm I'm happy to uh, be able to take this time and, and share it with you and the rest of our membership. It only took us about a year and a half to get through uh, to the historian general position in the executive board. So I appreciate your patience with us. Uh, but tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, where did you grow up and what, what career uh, have you had and are you still working? Oh, certainly. So I was born and raised in Lansdale, Pennsylvania. And oh, maybe when I was seven or eight, we moved out into the country uh, in an area that was actually very historical. Um, we lived on old 40 foot road and the foot, the, the road was actually 40 feet. And back during the, the colonial times, it was a wagon road. I lived there, uh, with my family from there. Um, I went on to college to pursue, um, a dual degree in chemistry and pharmacy. I am a, a graduate of Temple University, uh, as well as uh, New Mexico uh, University. Immediately following graduation from Temple University with my pharmacy degree and a chemistry degree, um, I did a variety of things. I worked for Merck Sharp and Dome, which is a large pharmaceutical company, uh, developing what we call animal models using medical isotopes. While doing that, I was working at a large teaching hospital in Philadelphia called Thomas Jefferson University Hospital, um, uh, running what we call a hot lab, which is um, actually compounding and dispensing what we call radio pharmaceuticals for the nuclear medicine department, radiation therapy, that sort of thing. 
And I decided I wanted to go back to graduate school. I ended up uh, selecting the University of New Mexico and I picked up everything lock, stock and barrel and moved 2000 miles to Albuquerque um, where I went to graduate school. And while I was in graduate school, I always kept my hands in pharmacy and community pharmacy. And so I worked at a community drugstore. And while I was doing working there and doing my graduate work, I developed um, what we call the patient care program that got recognized nationally. And that patient care program actually led me to the pharmaceutical industry. And so for about 25 years, uh, I worked for the pharmaceutical industry in what I call drug development in a wide array of positions. Um, I just recently retired, actually, to do this job. Because, <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> uh, knowing myself and the way I function, uh, there's no way that I could um, devote my full effort to a full-time job as well as uh, serving as the historian general. So I did retire. And one of the last things that I did before retiring is I helped Pfizer and Moderna um, get their uh, COVID vaccines approved by the FDA. And you mentioned uh, retiring so that you could fulfill this position as historian general. So you've had a long association with DAR, isn't that correct? Tell us about that. Uh, yes, I have. Um, I will be a 44-year member come April, and I'm proud for every one of those years. I would say that um, for... Almost all of those, I've been a 100% active member. I started, of course, with the Valley Forge chapter, DAR. I got interested when I was growing up. Uh, my mother joined the DAR, and her uh, interest in the DAR goes back to her grandmother. Um, when she was growing up, her grandmother was uh, very active. She was a region of the Valley Forge chapter, uh, and the Valley Forge chapter had a chapter house. And so when we were younger, she, and even into our early teens, she, I don't know if she took all of us or maybe just me, um, but we would go to the chapter house and we would have an opportunity to participate in some of the activities that the junior members were doing um, in and, uh, you know, separately from the membership. And I had a great time. I was just, oh my gosh, I can't wait to join. I can't wait till I'm old enough. Wow. So my mother had my papers ready to go when I turned to 18 and sent them in. And I can remember all through my college years, uh, going to state conferences and doing activities, um, you know, either state or chapter activities and, uh, you know, having to go to my college professors, especially in pharmacy school and say, oh, gee, you know, uh, I need to take a week off. Do you think I could put off taking that exam? Um, and so, you know, I was really, really fortunate that um, once I explained what I was doing, uh, that I was always given that opportunity to go to Washington. Of course, you know, Continental Congress was during um, April back then. And so, you know, taking um, time off, you know, the third week in April was always challenging because of you're getting close to the end of the semester. 
Um, so I've had the opportunity to be a state regent, um, uh, vice president general. I was um, national runner for the outstanding junior uh, membership committee back in 1997. And I've served in um, like 10 to 12 different national vice chairmanships or division chairmanships, as well as a myriad of state and chapter offices and chairmanships. So it's been a, it's, I don't want to say it's been a labor of love. It has been. Um, and now, you know, these last 10 years have really given me an opportunity to be an ambassador yeah. Um, to share my knowledge. Um, when the DAR leadership training classes came out, I felt that this was an opportunity, especially within New Mexico and within my chapter to sort of leave my legacy by helping to, you know, educate and train and, um, you know, I don't want to say mold, but inspire our younger generation. So I, I wouldn't give it up for the world. Not at all. It's been very beneficial, not only for my private and personal life, but also particularly for my uh, professional life. It seems like your professors really did want to support you in that endeavor and allowing you that time to go to Continental Congress. Brooke, one of the things I will always remember when I was in pharmacy school, and that was the dean coming into our classroom and um, saying that there is nothing better than giving back. Mm -hmm. And up until just within the last year, I've only belonged to one patriotic organization, mm -hmm. and that's been the DAR. And it sort of goes hand in hand with why I retired, because, um, you know, if you're going to focus on something, you know, you need to, in my opinion, you need to be able to focus your undivided attention and to give it the best that you can do. I'm not sure all of them really knew what the DAR was back then, but it was a service organization. And, you know, with the pillars of historic preservation, education and patriotism, and education has always been important to me. And so maybe that's where it resonated. And so personally for you, what would you consider an hour well spent? Um, oh with my your gosh. time. <laughs> Uh, can I tell you about 20 hours well spent? Yeah. <laughs> um, an hour well spent. I always said that if I never had a full-time job, I would be very capable of fulfilling every hour of the day with things to do. Spending an hour with friends and family would really, really be wonderful. Um, there are a lot of other things that I would love to um, spend an hour doing, um, an hour at the sewing machine, an hour reading a book, something with my hands, getting my, my hands in the dirt and playing around out in the garden. Um, so, but first and foremost, um, family and friends. And I think that goes along with the, the question I was going to ask you next, which was, do you have any hidden talents? I think we just heard about them all, didn't we? So, um, Well, you, you, you heard a few of them. A few of them. Um, exactly. Yeah, a few of them. Um, some of the things that I really, really enjoy that a lot of my spare time, what little I have, is spent doing is either in my garden or cooking. And not just cooking, baking as well. 
um, as well as uh, sewing. I um, have, my mother was a beautiful seamstress and I can remember as a young child, her teaching my sister and I how to sew. And mm -hmm. it's just one of those things that, um, you know, for me mentally, um, being able to use one side of my brain and then being able to switch it to the other side of my brain is very rejuvenating. And so um, hidden talents, um, I don't really tell anyone this. Um, I, I paint, um, mm. I'm an oil painter. And um, I think that falls right in line with many of the things that I enjoy, mixology, chemistry, pharmacy. Um, when I became a pharmacist, my my goal was um, to be a compounding pharmacist. And as a radio mm. pharmacist, that's really what I was doing. I was using um, biological um, compounds and mixing them with, you know, medical isotopes and um, cooking is just the same, you know, mm. whether it's baking and it's precision or it's, you know, cooking Bernays sauce or Hollandaise sauce or some spaghetti sauce and just being able to throw this or throw this in or open your refrigerator and say, hmm, what do I have today? <laughs> what sounds good? Right. Uh, that's wonderful. Yeah. It's that analytical and the creative sides right, oh, coming yeah. together. Yeah, that would be invigorating. So as historian general, um, you have a lot of duties. Are there anything's coming up that you're looking forward to that you're working on right now? Oh, absolutely. Some members may or may not have heard that the Americana Room uh, and the Office of the Historian General uh, will be um, undergoing a renovation as well as a relocation. Uh, we will be moving down to the first floor where the organizing secretary's offices are, and they will be moving upstairs. And this will enable uh, the formation of what I'm calling the golden triangle between the Americana Room, the DAR Museum, and the DAR Library, bringing those all right within close proximity of one another and allowing not only the public, but our members to be able to be in close proximity. It also, I think, I, I hope uh, the anticipation is that it will make our collections, the Americana Room and the research capabilities um, much more accessible to many more. Um, it'll be much more welcoming and just really makes this perfect, beautiful golden triangle uh, for anyone to come and see. The second thing that I'm really excited for is what I'm calling the marker card project, which I think some people have heard uh, about. And basically, uh, when I came into office, I found 177,000 index cards in the HVAC closet up by the Office of the Historian General. And I'm like, ah, what are we going to do with this? Help! We need help. So anyway, those cards have, um, they've all been uh, imaged. And we're um, working with Victor 
um, and the genealogical records uh, group will be actually going in and indexing them. And that uh, will eventually be available for our members. So if you ask me, Suzanne, I'd like to know all of the grave markers of our patriots or of wives of patriots, or I'd like to know about the historical and commemorative markers that are in the state of California, you know, rather than having to go to the Office of the Historian General, you um, conceivably would be able to have the ability to do that. So with respect to the second part of your question, there are many things that will be occurring over the course of the next several years, but specifically um, while I'm serving as Historian General, we have uh, commemorative events, uh, for example, um, the Eden Edenton Tea Party, or some may say the Edenton Patriots Celebration. We have the newly established Franco-American uh, Committee, which is actually um, focused on the uh, Lafayette's last tour in America celebration. Um, and a variety of other activities through the commemorative events. And then, of course, we have the America 250 Committee. And with all of these committees uh, working together, there are many things that members can join in. Uh, the public has an opportunity to participate. Um, so certainly, you know, be on the watch for these various commemorations and celebrations um, as we get closer to the 250th celebration. I'm looking forward to, um, you know, the Pathway of the Patriots celebration. Um, I'm looking forward to being able to go, in, go down to Edenton and um, participate, being a woman, uh, certainly uh, being there in that sacred hollow space where some amazing things happened and we were able to open up a wide array of new Patriot lines. So there's many things happening. I encourage all daughters to take a look at the uh, website uh, for the Historian General as well, well as the commemorative events and the Franco-American and the American 250 Committee. It's really exciting all the things coming up this next year, year and a half. I'm just really looking forward to it. It's going to be great. It is. Well, Suzanne, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. I really appreciate getting to know you better, and I hope our members uh, will listen with a renewed appreciation for, for you and all that you bring to DAR. So thank you so much. Thank you, Brooke. Thanks for having me, and uh, I hope I'm inspiring uh, other daughters out there to strive and be the best they can be. Way up in the northeast of our great nation, in the state of Maine, is the Majapigwedus chapter. Majapigwedus, in the language of the first people who settled the area, the Penobscot, means Long Tideway River. And if you've had the good fortune to visit Maine and see its rugged beauty, the name will seem very apt. Today, this 15-mile-long, nearly all-saltwater river is simply called the Bagadus, and it runs along the town line of Brooksville, Maine, home to the Majabigwedus DAR chapter. We highlight them today as this 
<clears throat> chapter with the 13 letters in their name. And you'd be right to assume I've practiced saying this many times today. Well, they've awarded three of the Excellence in Historic Preservation Medals recently to some very deserving individuals. One look at their beautiful website will clearly show the emphasis that this chapter places on historic preservation. And at this point, I'm hoping that you're asking yourself, what is this new award and how can our chapter participate in this too? Well, let me tell you. First, the Excellence in Historic Preservation Medal can be awarded to an individual or to a group and can be DAR or non-DAR members. The only requirement is that their work involves historic preservation. The award can be made at the chapter or state level and doesn't require either formal application or approval. It's simply well-deserved, non-competitive recognition to those individuals or groups who give tirelessly of themselves to preserve American history. Look around you and consider the many outstanding groups and individuals in your community that provide historic preservation. These local historic preservation heroes are involved in restoring buildings, collections, significant objects, monuments, cemeteries, and important artifacts. Order the award directly from the DAR store, and the medal and certificate will arrive in your mailbox ready for your chapter or state to honor a hardworking community member or group. That's pretty simple, right? So the challenge is on. Let's make 2024 the year your chapter or state awards the Excellence in Historic Preservation Medal and Certificate. If the Maja Bigwedu's chapter can award three, you can certainly award at least one, and we can't wait to hear all about it when you do. We leave you today with this quote by Martin Luther King Jr., whose birthday we celebrate today, January 15th. Make a career of humanity. Commit yourself to the noble struggle for equal rights. You will make a better person of yourself, a greater nation of your country, and a finer world to live in. Well, thanks for listening and be well, dear friends. Let's celebrate the stars and stripes forever and remember, with all of your ancestors behind you, you are the result of the love of thousands. Well, this podcast was written and produced by the DAR Today Podcast Committee, and we are, as always, so grateful for President General Pamela Edwards Rouse Wright and Historian General Suzanne Heskey for their constant guidance, and to Liz Hotchkiss for being so generous with her time. The National Society Daughters of the American Revolution is a nonprofit, non-political, volunteer women's service organization dedicated to promoting patriotism, preserving American history, and securing America's future through better education for children. Members are all lineal descendants of those who supported the cause of independence in the Revolutionary War. For more information, please visit dar.org. This is the DAR Today podcast.